In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to start today by telling you about a day in my life that changed everything for me. It was really a day unlike any other. It happened about 15 years ago now. I was a senior in high school. I was a lanky, awkward, insecure 18-year-old kid. Uh, I also happened to be rather nervous around girls because I grew up with two brothers, not a lot of women in my life outside of my mom. Uh, so nervous that even when I met a, uh, a cute, kind, funny, smart girl in my gym class, I was much too nervous to ask her on a date. And so what I did instead is I wrote her a note. I, I scribbled it on a little piece of paper. I think it was actually a thank you note that I found. And I saw her in between passing periods. I, if I remember right, it was in a stairwell and I handed her the note and I walked away and I waited and I sweat and I waited and I sweated some more and it probably wasn't that long before she eventually said yes. Uh, and that day changed things for me. It was not just another day because it was the first in a long string of yeses that I still can't quite explain that she has been saying to me ever since because that girl said yes to who would become her still somewhat awkward, lanky, insecure husband uh, a few years later. There are certain days like that, aren't there? Uh, days that just aren't normal days. Uh, days that change things. I, I call them hinge days because they are the days on which everything turns when, when the past turns to the present, to the future. Uh, you can probably think of, of a few of these days in your own life. Uh, for, for some of you who have been married, this might be your wedding day, right? One day you weren't married, you were single, and, and the next day you were, and right there in between was that wedding day, a, a day that changed things for you. For, for others of you, uh, maybe it is the, the first time you moved out of your parents' house, that, that day that you were on your own, or the day of your first job. Uh, very often, these hinge days are the highest of high days, but they can also be the lowest of low days. Maybe for you, a hinge day is the day that you lost that first job and you struggled to figure out who you were and, and what you were supposed to do. Maybe it was the day that you were separated from someone you loved or, or lost someone you cared about deeply. Uh, there are a lot of days that we could all talk about today uh, and, and maybe at some point I'd like to hear about some of them. You, you could tell me about some of those hinge days in your life. I have a few others. Uh, but today I'd like to focus on, on just one, a uh, one hinge day that, that we all experience. Uh, it's, it's the day of, of our funeral. Now, I want to ask you, I, I don't, but do any of you here today remember your funeral day? Okay, I didn't think so. Although, I, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if, if a couple of you did. I, I don't, so we're all in good company then, if none of us do. Uh, I, I don't remember my funeral day, but I have been told about it by, by some people who were there that day. Uh, it happened 33 years ago. It was an April day. I don't remember it, but if it was anything like this April, it was probably cold and cloudy and rainy, maybe even snowy. Uh, my funeral took place just uh, across town here at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Mount Prospect, Illinois. I, I don't remember it, but my family was there. They were gathered around me. At one point of my funeral, my mother held me. She held me uh, in an outfit that my grandma had made for just such an occasion. There are a lot of other little details that the people are sure happened, but they can't quite put their finger on. Like they know there was a pastor there and they know who he was, but they don't remember the sermon he gave or, or the readings he chose. We know that there were songs sung at my funeral, but we don't know which ones they were. Uh, but, but there was something awfully memorable right in, in the service there. If it was anything like the other funerals I've been to, it was 10 or 15 minutes into the service because that was the moment 
that I died. I drowned. The, the pastor put one hand on me and one hand in the water, and before I, I knew it, I still can't describe it, there was this flood engulfing me, water rushing over me, and yet it lasted only an instant because before I knew what was happening, and I still can't describe it today, there was someone lifting me up out of the water, a hand that was grabbing me, pulling me out of the flood, rescuing me, bringing me back to new life. And it wasn't the hand of the pastor. It wasn't the hand of one of my parents. It was the hand of Jesus. And he was pulling me out of that water. There were other things happening there that day. There was a voice from heaven that said, This is my son. You are my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. There was, there was a heavenly chorus that was singing, a party in heaven, unlike any party I've ever been to since. There, there were angels praising. And, and, and yet, just a few hours after this funeral service, it was almost like nothing had happened. If you had looked at me, you wouldn't have known what I had been through that day. It was just an hour later after the service was over, we were all back at my parents' house drinking coffee and having cake, at least some of the people there were. You couldn't see the change, but something had happened to me that day. I had I died. See, the, the funeral I'm talking to, if you haven't picked up on it yet, was, was my baptism day. <laughs> The day we read about in our reading for today, the day that God says, I, I died, I was killed, I was crucified with Christ, buried and stuck in the grave. The Bible puts it like this. Uh, all of us here today need to die twice. We die once physically. Our, our bodies are, are put into a casket or maybe an urn and, and put underneath the ground. But we also need to die spiritually, that there is this old self, the self that we are born into, the self that is marred and broken by sin, the, the self that is crushed by guilt and, and shame and the brokenness of this world. And, and there's only one solution to that self, and that is for it to die and to be raised back up to new life. And, and that's what we heard from Romans 6 happens in our baptism. We are dead to sin. The old is gone and the new has come. We are dead to sin, or maybe better said, sin is dead to us now. And that's what happened to me 33 years ago on that April day. It was a funeral gone terribly wrong, (laughs) or maybe one gone just right. Because not only did I die with Christ, but I was also raised with him. And I have never and I will never be more alive than I was that day. Uh, That's why God, through the Apostle Paul in our reading from uh, Romans 6 today, makes so much of our baptism day. That's why it is the hinge day of all hinge days, when the past makes its turn to to the present. Uh, Let me just share with you a few of the words that that you heard earlier that Marty read for us. I'd like to share with them for you again. This is how God puts it. I chose the first four verses because I think it really sums it up for us. This is what we heard. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
If I could try to sum up these words and put it into uh, our own language, I would say it like this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took your sin. You didn't know him yet. You weren't born yet. You hadn't done anything yet, but, but Jesus knew you and he knew it was to come. And so he, he took your sin. He took your selfishness and your pride, your lies and your lust, your gossip and your materialism, your greed, your hatred, your bigotry, all of it. Jesus lifted up your sin and he put it on his shoulders and then he carried it with him there to the cross. And when Jesus died and stretched out his arms, your sin died with him. When he was crucified, so was that old self of yours, the one marred and scarred by sin. When Jesus was stuck in the grave, your sin went there too. That happened 2,000 plus years ago. But if you flash forward 2,000 plus years to the day of, of your baptism, well, that death and all the benefits of it, what Jesus accomplished there was applied to you. The, the, the riches of that crucifixion were credited to your account. On the day of your baptism, Christ's death became for you. Not just as some historical event that happened a long time ago, but it, but it entered into your life. You died to sin and you were raised with Christ. His resurrection from the grave and his life everlasting became your resurrection and your life. So now sin is dead to you. You are dead to it. It has no power over you. It cannot condemn you. Uh, it, it cannot nail the coffin shut. It cannot separate you from Christ or send you to hell. You are dead to sin. Sin is dead to you. Now, I know some of you are, are here today. I, I don't know who it is, but I know there are some of you uh, who are thinking to yourself, Pastor, that sounds nice. It's a very heartwarming message. Uh, nice to think about, but it can't be true. <laughs> uh, how can I be dead to sin? How can sin be dead to me? And yet I'm still tempted every day. How can you say that, that I'm dead to sin, but I, I still cry sometimes because I lose people I love. Sin is real and it's, and it's hurt and it hurts. So nice try, Pastor, but I, I know from experience that this just can't be true. It's a heartwarming message, but I feel it deep down in my bones, the, the effects of sin. And, and you're right. A sin continues to come at us. It's like a ripple effect that continues to stretch on. Uh, Martin Luther put it this way. He said that our, our old self, the one that drowned in baptism, that, that died and was crucified with Christ, that that old self in our sin is a really good swimmer. <laughs> and it keeps on flailing and, and splashing in the water, kind of grabbing onto us for every last breath that it can get as it tries to pull itself up out of the water. Um, I shared with my Bible study this week this analogy uh, to think about it, that our old self, our, our sin, the one that died and was crucified with Christ, is, is like a zombie from the movies. It's been killed and yet it keeps on popping up. So yes, you will be tempted. You will continue to feel its effects. But what the promise of the Bible is, is that one day Jesus will come back and he'll tie an ankle around the, the, the he'll tie an anchor around the ankle of, of that swimmer. He'll, he'll put a, a bullet into the head of the zombie. One day Jesus will come back and he will defeat sin once and for all. But until that day, we live in that tension and you've experienced it, I know you have, between the old that, that died and between the new that has come. You, you've experienced both. You've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus and you also know that the sin is real and it hurts. And until that day, it's like the two are rubbing up against each other, causing this friction in our lives. The Bible actually describes it almost like a battle between old and new. Now we fight the battle, uh, the Bible says, daily, knowing that the war is won, that one day Jesus will come back and defeat death and sin once and for all. But, but day by day, we continue to fight the battle between the old and new. 
Now, uh, there are a a lot of good and godly pieces of advice that the Bible gives that even pastors like like me share on how to win this battle and overcome sin in our lives. Uh, So so here are four of them that I'd like to briefly share with you today. As, As we struggle between the old that continues to pull at us as a gasp for air and between the new that we have been raised to, there are four things the Bible says and, and people share, Christians have told you, pastors have encouraged you with that we are to do and, and here they are. The first one is, probably sounds very simplistic, maybe even silly, and that is just try harder. Uh, but I say that because that's what the Bible says, that, that too often we're just kind of going through the motions. We have found ourselves in this spiritual, comatose, lackadaisical attitude. Where we're just kind of going with the flow, not discerning God's ways, not thinking about what he wants. We're just listening to the ways of the world, doing whatever it tells us. Or, or maybe we have tried really hard at certain times to overcome sin in our lives, but we failed, and so we've said, oh, just forget it. I'm just going to... Just do what I want. And, and so the Bible says, keep on going. Keep on fighting the battle. Keep on trying. We're, we're also encouraged, and you've probably been encouraged to pray, right? To recognize I, I can't do this on my own. I am, I am weak, but God is strong. And so I'm going to go to him and pray for his spirit to fill me and strengthen me for the journey of life, to, to make me into the person he needs me to be. We're to pray. We're, we're also to study better, right? To open up our Bibles, to, to hear the word in, in church, like to, to not give up meeting together, as, as Hebrews tells us, to, to get together in small groups, to read our Bibles at home so that we can hear what God says because we, we can't do what he wants if, if we haven't listened to what he wants us to do. We're, we're to open up his word, study daily his word. We're to seclude, separate, isolate ourselves, right? Uh, sometimes the Bible puts it like this. We are to simply free, flee from sin, to say, hey, I can't mess around with that. I'm, I'm not strong enough to stand firm in the, in the midst of that temptation, so I'm just going to run away. <laughs> These are some good things to do in that battle we're in between the old that has a way of sticking around and between the new that we have been raised to. But, but let me ask you this. I, I know many of you have tried either one or all of these, right? You've tried harder. You've tried to do your best. You've prayed. You've, you've gone to the word. You've tried to run away from sin. So let me ask you, to anyone here today who has ever tried one or all of these, have you been able to overcome sin in your life? No one, right? That's what I thought uh, we would all say. Because as good as these are, as godly advice as it is, as much as God calls us to continue to fight the battle in, in these ways, the, the truth is that the only Answer, the only eternal solution to our sin is not try harder, do better, isolate, flee, pray, right? The only solution is that our sin, our old self, be put to death once and for all. And that's what God has done for us in our baptism. We were crucified with Christ and raised to life everlasting. And that's why today we're told to continue to go back to that day because God knows that we'll have plenty of days when we will be confused about who we are. The world will be telling us that we are certain things, certain people to act certain ways and and we'll wonder what we're doing here, what our purpose is. And, And God says, go back to your baptism. Remember, you are a child of God. You are full of his spirit. You are forgiven and cleansed. You wear a robe of righteousness. You bear his name. There will be other days when we'll be tempted by the old self, when, when that old self will be pulling us down as it fights for another breath. breath. And, and it will be tempting us to be angry, to gossip and, and be greedy. It will be telling us to, to lie and to lust, to be materialistic and selfish and, and prideful. And in those moments when the temptation comes and, and the old self is pulling us down, we're going to say, no, that's not who I am. I have died to those things. I, I am new. I am full of hope and, and compassion. I am full of life and love. 
I am a person of mercy and forgiveness. That's who I am, a baptized child of God. A day that changes everything. Now, I do want to say one last thing, and uh, what I would like to say is to those in the room today who have not been baptized, uh, there, there may be some of you here today, and, and I want to address you for just one moment as we close. And what I'd like to say to you is that if you have not been baptized, know a couple things. First, God loves you. <laughs> His love for you is not contingent upon you having received this gift yet. Your creator cares about you. Your redeemer loves you. The second thing I want to say is, is you've probably heard, and, and as you know now, I believe, baptism is an amazing gift. Uh, God is doing wonderful things, mysterious things. I can't explain why or how he works in a bowl full of water with some words that are spoken, but that's his promise, and, and it's an amazing gift. But we also believe it's not God's only gift. We also receive the gift of his word and his, and his promises that, that speak to us life and salvation. We have the gift of his supper for those baptized Christians where we are fed and nourished and strengthened. So God has a multitude of gifts that he just lavishly pours out upon us. So know that, that if you have not received this gift, that he has others for you. But it is a gift he longs for you to come and receive. It is a gift of grace that he lovingly beckons and invites you to come to. And so if you haven't been baptized and you probably still have some questions about it, I would encourage you, come find me. I would love to tell you more. Email me, text me, uh, call me. My information is in the bulletin. We, we'd love to share more about it because what I can promise you is that it will change things. It will change everything. In Jesus' name, amen.